0: My name is Jimmy Smith, and uh, some of you know me well. Some of you might not know who I am at all, and that's great. I always love to see new folks around here. I've been around since 2008 at, at our church, long before it was called Arise. And uh, I was actually on staff here for a while, but all the time I've been helping with our missions efforts. And uh, it's just a place that myself and our family, we love dearly. And so most of you know I have a, a strong heart for missions, and particularly in Estonia, uh, where we have lots of great partnership, and since 2013, since um, the last 10 years, I've led in teams over there about eight times uh, from our church and other ways, primarily through our church. Uh, so we minister there in Estonia because only about two to three percent of the population we estimate have a relationship with Christ, and so uh, it's very much post-Christian uh, society, and and we we love to go and serve there and share the love of Christ, and we have missionaries there as well and it's been a special place in my heart. In 2013, Arise uh, sent its first team to Estonia. There were five of us that went and uh, it was really a a transformational year. Uh, On the screen here you see uh, Miss Lily. Uh, Lily was an Estonian that was living in Finland but had come over to the camp in Estonia and she immediately just was attracted to our team and, and was very energetic and a little bit different than most Estonians. Little Estonians are usually a little standoffish before they will uh, start to invest in relationship. And, and uh, But anyway, Lily was very different. But you could tell very early, early on that she was seeking something, uh, that God was speaking to her heart, that there was something going on there. And uh, so by the last night of camp, we were able to sit down with Lily and take her through the scriptures and show her how much God loves her and has, has forgiven her and has a plan for her life. And Lily accepted Christ around this very picnic table in 2013. Also on that trip uh, was Beth Ann Erickson. And many of you uh, know and remember Beth Ann. And that was her first experience in Estonia. And after that, she went on to serve as a, as a full time missionary there for seven years. Uh, and so it was a very important trip uh, for me, for our church. Lots of really amazing things started to happen. Uh, it was very foundational. 2018, uh, we had another great experience. This gentleman is Walt Friel. Uh, Walt and Jackie. And their family were here for many years, and they recently moved to Georgia. But Walt went to Estonia with me four times. Uh, he was planning on a fifth time and had a stroke uh, prior to going. And even in the hospital, he was like, I think I can go. And I'm like, Walt, we're going we're to give this one a break. Um, anyway, he's doing a lot better nowadays. But Walt, th- this was Walt's trip. Like, he loved being around the campfire. He loved serving these teenagers. He was always chopping wood and cutting wood. And Walt had this incredible ability as a 70-year-old guy to connect with teenagers, more than I do. He could sit around and talk with kids, and they really gravitated to him. We we couldn't quite figure it out, but they loved him dearly. And over the years, when we would go back, more kids would come to events if they knew Walt was going to be there. Uh, So we would actually promo, Walt's going to be here, you know, on our our information stuff. And he just had an amazing uh, way to, to minister over there with our team. And in 2018, one night, he led three girls to Christ around the campfire at Sailing Camp. Uh, And Sailing Camp is this non-Christian camp. It's not Bible programming. It's not scripture programming. We go there, and we try to get to know kids, invest in their lives, and have conversations about Christ. And Walt was able to lead three girls that year to Christ around the campfire. Uh, Beth Ann and Mindy Poyer and others were able to connect with those kids following camp and see discipleship happen in their lives. 2019, uh, we were back again, and... We had another amazing team come over with us. And these three young men all came to Christ at a, a church camp as well. And it was an interesting week. When we started out, we have up here uh, Rasmus in red. And we have Ricky in blue and Carl Eric down there. But Ricky and Rasmus, on, within the very first few hours of everyone showing up at camp, were like there was some tension going on. And it seemed like Rasmus was the instigator, instigator, and was causing problems and picking on Ricky and things like this. And we had worked really hard to get Ricky to the camp. Um, he wasn't planning on coming. And the week before we had met him, we, we helped get Ricky to the camp. And like immediate, like, like the enemy was at work on these guys. You could just see it. And we had this meeting with all the counselors. Like, what are we going to do? How do we help, you know, rectify this? Is we are going to have to send Rasmus home? You know, like, there's all this stuff, you know, trying to figure it out. And by the end of the week, both of these guys came to Christ. And it was an absolute transformation uh, as I've seen in Rasmus' life. So much so, last year, 2023, you see Rasmus getting baptized at the church there in Kolkata. And he, he got tall. He got really tall. Um, yeah, so we praise God for that. And it's, it's these stories and these investments in the ministry over there that, that keep me going back and keep me getting others to go back to experience these things. Uh, many people in our church have, have been and have been a part of this and uh, so over these um, past 10 years, I've developed a deep relationship with many in Estonia, our partners there, many in Converge, who's our, 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 our group that we're part of, uh, that lead the ministry there. And late last year, they asked me if I'd be inter- interested in stepping in and taking over the leadership of the Nordic Baltic region for Converge. And I thought about it for about two seconds. And, and uh, no, we processed it for a while. And I said, absolutely, of course, Yes. And so now I have the great opportunity to serve and and lead our efforts for Converge, not just in Estonia, but throughout the Nordic Baltic region in the eight countries that comprise that area. I am completely blessed. Um, It's an amazing role. And uh, this next slide, this is the team that I get to serve with, our growing team. Some of these individuals have been working in Estonia for many years. The gentleman in the middle was the previous leader for the region, and he's semi-retiring. So somehow now I'm his boss. But anyway, um, the cricket and Poyer are part of our team. And in the lower right over, or right or left, which one everyone is, um, the Adkins family, they are coming over to Estonia probably early 2024. They're in pre-deployment right now, but joining our team. And they will be here worshiping with us next Sunday. So if you see the Adkins next week, give them a hug, handshake, high-five, pray for them, talk to them, grab their prayer card. We'll we'll have ways for you to to meet them in the back. Um, But they're going to be in town next week. and says, hey, come over to our church and and hang out with us. And so the Adkins will actually be here next Sunday as well. But this is a team that I get to work with and serve with. Uh, And So my prime objective is to serve our team as we seek to develop transformational leaders in the region and spur and ignite gospel movements. Uh, We want to see the gospel expand through church planting, but we need leaders to make that happen. So a lot of this is leadership mentoring and development of Estonians and uh, local leaders, not just sending in Americans, but that we're establishing relationships with local uh, believers and leaders to catalyze these gospel movements. And our big goal uh, coming up in the next few years is, if you want to go to the next slide, our big goal is we're asking God to establish a converged team in all eight countries of the Nordic-Baltic initiative Uh, that are effectively pursuing the development of transformational leaders and gospel movements. And so what that means is in Estonia, we have a solid team. We don't have a solid team in the other countries yet. So it's pioneering in some of these areas. A few of the countries like Finland and Latvia, we have great networks of relationship. And I always say like fingers of involvement. We want to go beyond that. We want to scale. We want to expand and try to establish a more permanent uh, group and team of individuals that are serving in these other countries as well. Uh, So it's a big goal. It's a lot to work on. And so I'm on the recruit. So be careful if you talk to me. Uh, I may be asking you to, to give your life to go serve in Northern Europe. Uh, but no, seriously, I, we, we are looking for individuals. And, and you know, we, we think that 1% one to, one to 4% of a church congregation has that gift mix to be uh, in missionary service. And there's actually a couple individuals that we're already talking to in the congregation about things like that uh, in other parts of the world. And so I would love to have that conversation with you if you ever think that God is having uh, that going on in your heart. I'm the guy to talk to. I'd love to have that conversation with you. And I'm just super thankful for a church that has supported me all these years. I came in, like I say, in 2008 and really had the opportunity to develop and and work on what our missions, ideas, and philosophies would be. And then after that period of time, as I stepped into uh, missionary service, the church was behind me tremendously. Many of you support me individually and the church as well. And uh, I'm able to do what I'm doing because of our eyes. And I don't take that for granted. Um, ah, sorry <laughs> I made it through first service um, but no I don't take that lightly at all it's, it's a big piece of the story of my life and how you all have invested in me uh, over the years and so I, I certainly appreciate that so as far as this goes as far as ministry involvement goes I, I would love to, for my church to be praying for me Um, there's lots of ways you can do that. Um, In the back, there's a a prayer card. You can grab one of those on the way out. I send out a newsletter. You can sign up for that. Um, But I'd love to keep people in touch. I have a Facebook page, things like that, that give you ways to pray for our ministry and and myself and the things that we're working on over there. Um, Obviously, these types of things always have financial support involved. And with the new role, I do have a little bit of extra expenses on those uh, things. And so I'm working on raising some additional resources to cover that stuff. Um, And then really come join us. Uh, And I mean that sincerely, if if it means coming on one of our trips through Arise, if it means coming over for a vision trip to see what God might be doing in your life, I'd love to have those conversations with you uh, to serve in our part of the world. Um, So thank you for that. And then the last thing I want to say about missions this morning is we do have two teams going out this summer. Now, it's a little late to jump in this year, everything's kind of already set, but we already have uh, two teams, one for Estonia in July 17th through the 31st, and Mexico July 29th through August 6th. Typically, I take about five people to Estonia. This year, we have 12. (laughs) It's a a huge team. Creates a little more logistical issues I got to deal with this year, but I love it. Good challenge. Um, Eight are from Arise, and four are from another church in Lakewood across town uh, called Grace Fellowship. Their pastor and three others are joining us because they've been investing with Crick and Mindy. And I said, hey, jump in with us this year. We'll take a big team over. And so we've got uh, some rally points happening with another church uh, coming over. But all these individuals, uh, this costs money to do these trips, and they're, they're all raising support for that. Uh, maybe you know someone that's going, maybe you don't, and you want to help somebody that's, that's working towards that. Uh, to make an investment in their life, obviously in their spiritual development. I mean, we had Beth Ann there as a career missionary for seven years because she first started out on a, on a, on a team with Arise. So who knows what God's going to do in the hearts of people that go. I'm always praying about that. We really feel like these trips are discipleship journeys for people, and we're always helping them to kind of think about that during the trip. So if you'd like to help someone get there, there's a QR code on the screen, or you can just go to the website itself, uh, risedenver.com, on our global outreach page. And uh, anyway, we, all of us would appreciate that for sure. All right, and I'll be in the back if anybody has questions afterwards too, I'd love to talk to you. So as far as message today, let's shift gears real quick. Um, we're in a series called Saved For, and I've really enjoyed it so far. We've had some good, good messages. Um, today we're talking about Saved For Servanthood. And uh, I'm not sure if you've ever seen this, this meme, this slide uh, that's coming up next here. Have you ever seen this leadership uh, diagram <laughs> where you've got the boss style uh, leader and you've got the servant type of leader on the boss? Anybody ever worked for the boss like that? Nobody? Yeah. You've had one of those. I've had a couple of those. Have you ever had the leader type leader that's out in front charging away? Which type of leader are you? No, I'm kidding. <laughs> Listen, I, it's pretty obvious. We all would prefer option two here, right? And we've seen it and like, we get it. Like we, we've been in these situations and you have someone that's, that's dictating a direction as opposed to leading in a direction We've seen this in our own personal lives. And honestly, there's a spiritual component to this. Um, Let's look at some kingdom perspective on that. Matthew 20, you have this fascinating story about the disciples, and I love this story. So uh, James and John, sons of thunder, uh, two of Jesus' disciples, they were brothers, came to Jesus with their mother. Now, I don't know if mom brought the kids or the kids brought mom, but they come to Jesus with this question. And mom asked Jesus, hey you know my boys, right? I'd like for them to have the top positions of authority in the kingdom with you. Kind of a big ask. (laughs) And there's this conversation that ensues, but can you imagine, I mean, anybody better probably like, you know, little league baseball or softball, and your mom comes and tells the pitcher, hey, my kid should be pitching, right? My my kid needs to be starting, and, and mom's fighting, and the kid's like embarrassed, and he's, you know, hiding behind everything, not wanting to have this conversation. Well, this is more like Post-college, you go for your first job interview and mom is there with you telling the, telling the interviewer that you need to be in an executive position you know, straight out of college. All right, that won't happen. That, right, that doesn't. But this is what happened with Jesus and his disciples here. His mom comes with this really uh, you know, big request. And so Jesus ultimately has a conversation, but he states, like, hey, this is, this is for the father to decide who gets this type of authority. However, the disciples... The other disciples, who were always getting along, are caught wind of this, and it says they got a little upset, and they wanted to know what was going on here. Um, they probably started arguing and fighting about this, maybe even having some jealousy wrapped around. But then, in Matthew twenty, verse twenty-four, we're going to get there. Jesus steps in and he uses this opportunity to teach the disciples and us something new. So look at me. Look at the verse in Matthew chapter twenty, verses twenty-four through twenty-eight, with me. When the 10 other disciples heard what James and John had asked, all 10 of them, they were unified in this one thing. They were indignant. That's a big word, 50 cent word. They were indignant. They were upset. They were mad, furious, jealous, right? There was this, it caused a whole bunch of tension in the group. And Jesus said, all right, guys, settle, on, settle, said. On. Called them together and said, let's talk. You know that the rulers of this world lord it over their people. And officials flaunt their authority over those under them. Right? Guys, that's what we typically see. Like, this is what's happening. We're in occupied Israel right now. Like, this is a typical standard for leadership across the world, and especially in our context. But however, among you, it will be different. Whoever wants to be a leader among you must be your servant. And whoever wants to be first among you must become your slave. For even the son of man, Jesus said, even myself, I did not come to be served, but to what? To serve others and to give his life as a ransom for many. So the model of leadership we see in the world that Jesus is referring to here is that oppressive power, the boss, right? He who has the gold makes the rules. The elitist mentality of I can make the rules, but I can also break the rules, but you cannot. Good for thee, but not for me. It's self-promoting. It's dominating. It's demanding of people to serve them and their wishes. Top-down, primarily beneficial to who? The leader. Right? Right? That's what they were experiencing. And Jesus said, this is the way of the world. But among my followers, it's going to be different. And leadership in the kingdom looks like this. It looks like serving those that you lead. It looks like sacrifice for those that you lead. It looks like me, what Jesus is saying. I'm not here to be served. I'm here to serve. And think about it. Think about Jesus' birth the incarnation, prior to Jesus being in the manger, he was in heaven, surrounded by the angels, the glory of God, the beauty, the sinlessness, the perfection of heaven. And he left all that for a barn. I like barns just as much as the next person, but this isn't where you have babies, right? But this is what he came into, humble, lowly, not into a prominent family, into the life of a mother who's still a virgin, right? This was completely different from what people expected. So even from the beginning, Jesus was demonstrated in his life. He served people by healing them, helping them, leading them, guiding them, teaching them. Hours and hours of teaching in the hot sun, helping people know the way to God. And then in his death was his greatest act of service to us. It was through his death that brought our salvation, right? So we see all of this modeled in Jesus, that he came to serve, not to be served. He's trying to tell his disciples, it's going to look different in my kingdom. So we are saved for servanthood. And as believers, we will most clearly reflect Christ with servanthood that expresses itself in a couple ways. One, in the activity of good works activity of good works. Now, this isn't going to be on the screen, but Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, and 10 clearly tell us that our salvation comes as a gift from God, not from the works that we do. I want to make that very clear up top. We're not doing good work to receive anything from God. We're doing and acting in good works because of what we have received from God. It says that he's created us anew in Christ Jesus as a masterpiece. We're his Picasso. We are his ceiling of the Sistine Chapel. He has created something beautiful in us for good works that he has prepared in advance for us to do. It's a fascinating passage that God has something that each of us are to do in the kingdom as acts of service. And so I want to make sure we, we are clearly understanding that our good works are a gift back not to receive from God. The servanthood activity of believers points people... To God. Let's look at Matthew 15, 16. Let your light shine before others so they may see your good deeds and glorify you. Whoops. Did I get that wrong? Okay, let me try this again. Let your light shine before others that they may see your good deeds and glorify who? Your Father in heaven. Now, I like a good pat on the back as much as anybody. And we all need some encouragement. But our good works are not for that. Our good works help point people to a God that loves them, to a savior that sacrificed for them. And we should let our light shine before others so others can find God. Some wrestle, some of us wrestle with how to share Christ to our friends and neighbors. It's difficult, right, to open your mouth and share what you believe sometimes. But I'll tell you one way to, to lessen that anxiety is to get involved in serving the people around you and letting them see your good works that are glorifying God. And many times that's where the questions come and that's where the conversations happen when we serve people in the direction of God's love. So a simple question for us as we think about this, you know, what good works can I do for others? How can I serve those around me? So a couple pointers. One, what talents and strengths do I have to serve others? what are you good at? Right? What are you good at? What do you like to do? What are you educated in? What do you have experience in? Right? I had a youth pastor one time uh, when I was very young. He would, Gary Stewart, he would come to my house after school and we would play Nintendo Major League Baseball, like on the original Nintendo. And it was great. One of the best games ever, right? And he did that as a ministry to get to know me and to invest in my life. Now, young people, don't hear what I'm not saying about video games, right? There, there are times for video games, there are times to put the screen down, right? Mom and dad, right? You all we'll that. But he was using this thing that he loved that he enjoyed and using it as a way to invest in me as a young teenager. There are things that you are good at. There are things that you love. There are things that you have strength in that you can use as a way to share good works with the others around you. What experiences do I have that can be used to serve others? What have you already been through in life? Maybe you're the mom who's now an empty nester and your neighbor across the street is the one with the new preschoolers. What can you do through your experience to invest in that person? Some of us, maybe you've been in business for a while and you've been through some of the the rigors of, you know, corporate life. And you've got other people that you can mentor and bring alongside. What are you doing to work good works into the lives of others through your experiences? What resources do you have? What did God say to Moses? Moses, what's in your hand? It's a stick. Throw it on the ground. I'll do something with it. What is in your hand? What has God given you? What are the resources that are unique to you that you can use to invest in the lives of others? What pain do I have? Why would I want to use my pain? Man, I'm telling you, God can use your pain to help other people. Because when we figure it out, how good God is to us, even in the midst of our pain, we have a story to tell to someone else. We have a way to share in someone else's burden through pain. I used to tell, I've I've never been strung out on drugs. I've never done cocaine in my life. And I would tell people that were addicts, like, look, I can sympathize with you, but I don't know that I can empathize with you. I've never been down that road. I don't know what it's like to break an addiction like that. I'll love you. I'll help you. But there are people who have been down that journey, and they have a different way to communicate to someone else who's in that journey. What is the pain maybe that you've been through in your life that now can be redeemed for God's glory by helping other people? Who are the people around me in my life that could simply use some love and kindness? Just peek out your window. They're there. There are people all around us that need love and kindness, and you can help people know Jesus by serving them and doing these good works that God has planned in advance for you. Secondly, as believers, we really reflect Christ through an attitude of service. Or sacrifice, I'm sorry. They're an attitude of sacrifice. Jesus mentioned that the leaders in the kingdom of heaven will look like slaves to the people that they lead. Slave, leader, kind of sounds like an oxymoron. Right? You know, like awful good, jumbo shrimp, postal service. Right? They're oxymorons. And so sometimes, how, how does a leader look like a slave? That doesn't make any sense. But he says, "That's what it looks like in the kingdom. That's the attitude of sacrifice I want my followers to have. It doesn't sound like a position you'd be sitting or submitting a resume for. Yes, I'd like to be your lead slave here. Right? But to serve others requires sacrifice. It requires this attitude of sacrifice. And sacrifice might look like this: serving when it's hard and not just when it's convenient. I used to have a friend who who, uh, was a pastor in California, and he was doing announcements one Sunday. I love this story. He was doing announcements one Sunday, and he had all these things that people in the church could get involved in. And he's like, like, look, seriously, I'm not trying to add something to your plate today. I know you're all busy. I'm asking you to take something off of your plate and put one of these things in its place. (laughs) Because this is better than some of the stuff you're already doing. So sometimes it's serving this sacrificial mode when it's hard and not just when it's convenient. Serving those we may not like or agree with. Not just our friends. Wow. Serving someone who's on a different political spectrum. Serving someone who's on a different religious spectrum. Those are difficult, sacrificial circumstances. Serving when it costs us something, not just when we have excess to give. That's a different type of attitude. That is a sacrificial attitude. Serving when we know we might even be mocked or persecuted, challenged even, not just when we're able to communicate to a welcoming audience. Serving sinners and the ungodly, those who do not deserve our kindness. Well, they made those choices. That's why they're there. They should have to suffer because of the choices that they made. Aren't you glad that people don't always give you that answer when you've made poor decisions? So sometimes there are people in our lives that probably don't deserve the kindness. But did we deserve it when Jesus gave it to us? Absolutely not. That reflects Jesus. That is sacrifice. That is a Christ-like attitude. Servanthood always requires sacrifice. And it is the sacrifice that gives meaning to the service. Did you catch that? The sacrifice magnifies the impact of that service. There's something about that, serving and sacrifice, that goes together and creates this immense amount of meaning. And again, the point of that for the believers is to help point people to a God that loves them. Point people to Jesus. And the last thing here, the why of all of this, because sacrifice and service is the avenue of our salvation. It was an act of sacrificial serving that led to our salvation. Romans 2.4 do you not see, or don't you see, how wonderfully kind, tolerant, and patient God is with you? Are there times when we, we step back and say, wow, God is so incredibly patient with me? Mine at the top. That God is so incredibly patient with me, kind and tolerant. Does this mean nothing to you? Can't you see that it is his kindness That is intended to turn you from your sin. This act of sacrificial serving was the means of our salvation. And I find this fascinating. All throughout the New Testament, we see the disciples in their teaching and mentoring of people of this servant style, others first attitude. Where did they learn this? Did they they pick up a book of the day about leadership and that this is how it was done? No, none of the books talked about it like this. How did they they know to communicate this? And how did they all get in sync about communicating? You start reading the New Testament, you see this all over the place. It's because they heard it from Jesus. They probably would tell people the story. (laughs) You'll never believe this. These two nutjobs over here, they asked their mom to come talk to Jesus. And here's what Jesus told us. They They probably told this story. But more so than hearing the story, they saw it. They saw it lived out. In the sacrifice and death of their friend and savior. And they had to tell the world about it. Because this was something different. This was something new. This was something of great meaning because of the great sacrifice. What Jesus demonstrated in his servanthood was unreasonable kindness. His kindness wasn't deserved. It wasn't a small gesture. It just wasn't just for the Jews or a small group of people. It wasn't directed to the religious and the godly. It was the opposite of all of that and completely unreasonable, even to the disciples. Jesus was constantly teaching them and helping them understand the ways of the kingdom. And Peter especially. You see this in Peter. <laughs> Peter's a fantastic uh, person for us to learn about because he has so much of us in him. But Jesus came to wash the disciples' seat feet as an act of service, and people, Peter says, nope, not my feet, Jesus. I'll never let someone of your stature wash my feet. And then they had a conversation, and then Peter got his feet washed because Jesus was demonstrating something to them. They arrest Jesus. Peter slices the guy's ear off. Peter. Jesus puts the ear back on. When Jesus is on trial, Peter denies Jesus once, twice, three times, as Jesus had predicted. What did Jesus do a few days later after the resurrection? He met him for breakfast on the beach. He said, Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes. Peter, do you love me? Yes. I don't think it's it's, uh, by coincidence that he asked him three times. And he restored Peter. Peter probably felt horrible at that point. but the kindness of Jesus was unreasonable. So Jesus demonstrated this for his disciples. He demonstrated it for us. And as a result, the New Testament, throughout the New Testament, we see this theme of serving others and turning the world on its head and creating a new culture, a new dynamic, that attracts people to a loving God. The unreasonable kindness of, Jesus is, or of servants of Jesus is what will open people to the message of the gospel. Let's look at Philippians. And this passage really sums all of it up. Philippians 2, 5 through 11. Paul is speaking here to the Philippian church. In your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as Christ Jesus. Okay, let's, let's, right, Everybody listen. We're going to do this like Jesus did it. Who, being in the very nature of God, did not consider equality with God something to be used to his own advantage. He had the ultimate trump card, if you will. Right? He had the ability. He did not use that to his own advantage. Rather, what did he do? He made himself nothing. Other translations use the word that he emptied himself. He emptied everything everything out of himself for us. You ever played football? The coach is like, hey guys, leave it all on the field, right? That's what Jesus did. He came, he left it all out there for us. He had one life to give and he gave it for us. He emptied himself by taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness, he f- and being found in the appearance of man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to death, even the death on a cross. The worst type of death we can imagine in the Roman world. Therefore, because of all of this, God exalted him to the highest place and gave him the name that is above every other name. Why? Because servanthood and sacrifice are what bring authority in the kingdom of God. And Jesus gets top spot on that. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue acknowledge, every tongue, every ethnic, every nation, every people group can acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. That's what the service and sacrifice of Jesus did for us. And we are saved for servanthood. We are to reflect the same unreasonable kindness that Jesus showed us to the rest of the world. And your application is simple today. How can I... Personally, take the next step to serve others and show them the love of Jesus. I want to show you a video as we close out. This is some of my teammates, our our missionaries in Estonia, the poyers, with some of the things that they're working on and the sacrificial service they're giving to the folks over there. Take a look.
1: Estonia is a very small country in the northeastern corner of Europe through the Soviet occupation. Some churches were allowed to stay open, many closed, and there were no extra programs that were allowed. And so it was really difficult for the new generation because there was nothing for them.
2: And they don't want anybody to tell them what to think or what to do or what to believe anymore. And they just don't, they just don't want to hear it because they just see it's another outsider trying to push something on them.
1: They really became a lost nation because of that.
2: It's only one and a half percent evangelical Christian. And then on top of that, according to BBC News study done back in 2013, they are the least religious country in the world.
1: If I would approach anyone just on the street or in a, in a bus and say, receive Christ as your personal savior, they would not know who is Christ, who is savior, and this is foreign language. So in the summer of 2008, we led a mission trip to Tartu, Estonia to work with Kolgata Church. And so they invited us to come and help lead a youth camp to use that to really kickstart the youth program at their church.
2: And through this camp ministry that we helped launch, a young woman, 16 years old, made the decision to follow Christ. And she went back to her village, way down in South Estonia, and she realized there's no church in my village. There's no church in this county, and I am the only Christian here.
1: In South Estonia, there are, there are hundreds of villages just like this that have no Christians in the community, no church in the area at all.
2: And by the time Mindy and I moved in 2012, we had built a relationship with her, and she began to share with us the desire to see the gospel be present in her community and there was a a small school there and the school was doing a recycling camp not a christian camp and they asked if we'd be willing to share with the group a soul cleansing type of topic so this young woman ended up sharing her testimony to literally every kid in the village and she shared how she found hope in jesus and that she was saved and she shared with them that we have a gift if you would like it a gift that will explain more about this hope that I have. And we were able to get 34 Bibles. We didn't know how many kids there were going to be, but there were 33. And through that, every single child took a children's Bible. And there was one left, and the director of the school asked if they could have a copy for their school library. And we saw this young woman then, 18, have a burden for her community where there's no church. In one opportunity to share her testimony, God's word is literally in every home in her village.
1: Our project was kind of born out of this, that as these youth go back to their villages, how can we prepare them and equip them to take the gospel message with them?
2: And I began to start praying about this. What can we do more here in South Estonia? How can we partner and work alongside churches more? So about five years ago, myself, Pastor Leho, and several young people met together. And through that conversation, the South Estonia Outreach Project was formed.
1: I see the need to build up or support uh, those smaller churches in, in smaller places. And this is something that Rick and Mindy have tried to do, to meet with some of the youth leaders of smaller places where maybe only They are running the thing alone to support them, to listen to them. For smaller rural or small town churches, this is very important.
2: We want to be able to work alongside churches that have a desire to see the gospel movement go beyond the four walls of the church into their community. Currently our team is six people, Americans and Estonians working together in various parts of South Estonia.
1: It would be incredible to see a revival in south estonia where every village has heard the gospel and every person in south estonia has had the opportunity to make a decision for christ
2: we've got a tremendous opportunity because the doors are open here for us but we pray like jesus said our problem is we don't have the workers from the very beginning when mindy and i were called to estonia the birth that continually come back to us with matthew 9 The harvest is plentiful, but the workers are few. Therefore ask the Lord the harvest to send out workers. The time is now, Estonia's harvest field is ready.
3: All right, can we give Jimmy a hand for that message? Thank you so much, Jimmy. If you do want to follow up with him and find out more about what he's doing now in the Nordic-Baltic region or about a potential trip in the future, Jimmy will be at the back here in person at our table. Um, and, and welcome, everybody. Uh, my name is Matt Wolf. If you didn't know, I'm the lead pastor here. Um, and we're so gr- glad that you guys are here today because our God is unreasonable, isn't he? It doesn't make sense. And what I love about the, the center, central message of what we believe as followers of Jesus is that God loves you that he loves you so much and he cares about you right where you are, even if you don't even acknowledge that he exists, even if you are purposely going away from him and don't like him. And that's what I love. You can go out of this building, you can go out in the world and you can find some love out there, but everybody loves you because you love them, because you're friends with them, because you affirm them, because you're part of their team. But God is unreasonable because he loves us even when we were his enemies. And while we were still sinners going astray from him, He sent his own son to come after us unreasonably to serve us, to love us, and to die for us in our place. That doesn't make sense. It's not reasonable, but that's what God did for us. And that kindness is so important that some of you need to accept it maybe for the first time. And we want to give you an opportunity. We do that every single Sunday. And today I want to give you the opportunity to respond to that because you need to receive that love, receive that forgiveness so that you can walk with him and have eternal life so that you can be saved, not just from your sin, not just from death, but you can be saved for a purpose. And that's why we've been doing this series. So if you're here and you're like, I need that love, I need to be loved no matter what I do, or what I've done, or what I might do in the future, if you need that, you've got to accept God's gift. So I'm gonna give you an opportunity to say a prayer. If you're already a follower of Jesus, say this prayer out loud to give courage to somebody around you who might need to say it for the first time. So would you all bow your heads, close your eyes and please repeat this prayer after me dear God I'm a sinner I need a savior save me forgive me in faith I declare Jesus is Lord give me the gift of eternal life fill me with your spirit Help me to follow you and to serve others for the rest of my life. Now, with eyes closed, if you prayed that prayer for the first time, we want to celebrate with you. We want to encourage you. So if you said that prayer for the first time and meant it, if Jesus today for the first time is your Lord and Savior, put your hand in the air on the count of three. One, one. Two, three. Put your hand in the air and hold it up high so we could celebrate with you. If you're online, go to risedenver.com/follow. We would love to encourage you, celebrate with you, and give you this faith trail guide as a gift to help you follow Jesus. Um, Lord God, we are just so grateful that you did send your Son to die for us, to serve us, and to send us out for such an important purpose, to serve others with the same unreasonable kindness that you have for us. Lead us out of this place that we could go serve others. In Jesus' name, amen.